Drinking responsibly, parenting haphazardly. We've got your weekly dose of mom tequila. So pour yourself a drink. And put dad on tiny human duty. This This is Moms Moms and Margs. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Moms and Margs. I am one of two hosts here. My name is Whitney. And my partner in crime, my co-host, the apple of my eye, Kelsey, is actually not here on this Tequila Tuesday. I know I speak for everyone when I say we miss you, Kelsey. We want you back. We need you back. Um, But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and disclose that the intro and outro of this episode is actually recorded after the fact, um, hence why I am alone right now and you will hear Kelsey and myself during the episode. Um, And I also want to disclose that we uh we tried something different with this episode we uh, we tried to go to a a podcast studio gosh i am having flashbacks it was so upsetting we tried to get all fancy on you guys and record in a co-working space in a you know they had a podcast room and it just did not work out for us okay it sound you'll hear it just know that the sound quality isn't the best but we hope you love it anyway especially because this month the month of April is C-section awareness month and Although it is all kinds of awareness appreciations in the month of April, C-section awareness is just as important. We wanted to interview a C-section mom, our friend Megan. She has a one-of-a-kind C-section story, um, and we wanted to hear, you know, let you hear it firsthand. It has a lot of peaks, it has a lot of valleys, and there is a lot of healing in this episode within her story and Megan is such an advocate for c-section moms so before we jump into the episode make sure you follow us on instagram we are at moms.and.margs follow us um subscribe whatever you have to do on any and all podcast platforms that you listen to us on leave us that five-star review on apple Podcasts and write us a sweet note while you're leaving your review. Kelsey loves reading your reviews. I love reading them too, but it lights up her world. And I want you to help me to help you, whatever, light up her world. (laughs) I will stop rambling on. Let's go chat with Megan and I'll see you soon. Megan, how are you? Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to be talking to you guys today. I am a working mom of two kiddos. I work full-time in the tech industry from home right now. And I think my friends would describe me as a pretty creative person. I'm happiest when I'm doing something creative, uh, usually home projects. um, And I'm also just a pretty passionate person about causes and uh, subjects that I care about. Yes, I have two little ones. My son will turn four in a a few weeks, and then my daughter's a year and a half. And this is kind of hard because I feel like my kids are so young, and I don't really know quite what kind of a mom I am yet, but I'm pretty laid back, and I kind of follow their lead and let them just explore and be who they want to be and try to support them as much as I can. You 
you're cool like, mom. I, yeah, I feel like you're also <laughs> the coolest mom ever. I had my first kid when I was 23. My husband and I are high school sweethearts, so I'm a mm-hmm. young mom too. Yeah. Um, I had a pretty easy pregnancy with him up until around 30 weeks. I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. I didn't have any risk factors besides being like overweight per BMI standards, but, um, and so it was like a big shock to me, honestly. Um, my whole pregnancy, we were planning for an unmedicated birth. I took Bradley courses. We've heard of the Bradley method before. Uh, Yeah. Um, so we did that and then, um, but I ended up being induced with him because I went a week over my due date. So I was induced at 41 weeks with Jackson. Oh my God. God bless you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, by the time he was born, it was 41 and one. So, but, um, but honestly, my induction experience was really nice. Um, I think I showed up to the hospital around like three or four in the afternoon and he was born by 11 the next morning. So, and I did most of my labor unmedicated, well, like pain med wise, obviously I was induced up until transition. And I just started like getting really sick. And I know some women love the unmedicated, but it was just a choice of mine where I wanted the epidural. Like I wanted to be able to relax and rest. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so I had the epidural placed at a nine and a half centimeters. <laughs> so I got like, oh you were like almost so close. <laughs> yeah, I was. I asked for it when I was like at a six. And then by the time they came, I was at a nine and a half. I but like it always happens where you're like, yeah. Now and then they don't come for like a while. Wow. Yeah. And honestly, he didn't even take that long. I think I just was in that phase and it just happened really quickly. But yeah, I got like a nice 30 minute nap in, which was really lovely. And um, all of a sudden I was woken up by, it seemed like everybody working in labor and delivery that day mm-hmm. because my son was crashing. His heart rate was in the 40s which babies is typically 140. And so it was like an all hands on deck situation. Um, But luckily that time he came back to his normal self. And so um, I had like a lip left, I guess is what they technically said. So they were like, hey, just hang out. Like the room next to you, she's about ready to have her baby and we'll come back to you. I'm like, okay, they came back and they were like, okay, like you're, you're fully complete. Like, let's start pushing. Uh, my husband had fallen asleep. I felt like I didn't feel badly for him. I was going through labor, but he had been such a great support person for like hours. And finally, like for a half an hour, he got a nap. Um, and my midwife was like, you know what? No one has their baby on their first push. Like, don't worry about it. Like, we'll wake him up when the time comes. I'm like, okay, whatever. So um, I gave my first push. Yeah, it was so weird. I was like, okay. So I gave my first push and unfortunately Jackson had the same reaction he had the first time. So he essentially was crashing and this time he was not recovering. So oh my goodness. Yeah. So um they quickly broke Eric up and they're like, hello. Yeah, they're like, oh, we need to go now. Yeah. And I don't remember much. Um, I remember them asking if there was an OR open and um being like rolled down the hallway. Mm -hmm. Um, My anesthesiologist, it was at shift change. So I hadn't met the OB or the anesthesiologist there, which was like crazy. Yeah. Right. And she was like, don't be scared right now. Like be scared in 16 years when he gets his car keys. And I was like, can we not? (laughs) 
I am so terrified right now. Like, just don't. And so I got into the OR and there was actually another person waiting there for his partner to have her child. So I bumped mm-hmm. them out of the room. And um, I had purposely wanted my epidural to not be very strong because I wanted to be able to feel my pushes. Yeah, and, awesome. Yeah, so I essentially could feel what was happening mm-hmm. um, when they were like testing it out. They hadn't started actually doing the surgery yet, but they do a few tests and, um, my OB, I I, quickly, I was like, um, I can feel this. And so she asked the nurse, she said, well, Mm -hmm. what's the baby's heart rate at? And the nurse said, we weren't getting a heart rate. Mm -hmm. And then she looked at the anesthesiologist and said, put her under. So I was put under thinking that he hadn't made it. Oh my God, Megan, I'm in shock right now. Yeah, it was just, and it all happened in like such a whirlwind. Um, And if if your partner goes under anesthesia, they can't be in the room with you. Right, right. So Eric was by himself in some room somewhere, like poor guy, they woke him up and they're like, stay out here. I don't know. confused, (laughs) probably. Um, So he he met Jackson for the first time by himself. Um, I woke up about like an hour and a half later and looked to my right and Jackson, or Eric was holding this little bundle, the little yeah. orange cap. And uh, yeah, Jackson was fine. Um, hindsight's twenty twenty. They said they weren't getting his heart rate because they stopped monitoring me. So from being okay. in the labor room to being in the OR, nobody was getting his heart rate. Yeah. I remember them telling us it's like very uncommon that happens, you know? Um, but wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is terrible. Especially for that to be the last thing that you hear, Mm -hmm. you know, and then be put under without even a, Hey, we're going to put you under. Okay. Like everything's going to be fine. I've had two C-sections now. So I've had that one and a planned one. And that one was way harder. I think because I labored for so long. And I had gotten to a 10, like I was at the pushing phase um, and I was already really tired from having like 14 or so hours. So I felt like I had the double whammy there, like a double recovery. And then emotionally, it was obviously very difficult, um, but I feel like for a while I was just in shock. So, you know, if people said anything to me, like I remember the other midwife coming in and checking on me the next day. And she's like, I heard what happened. Like, that's, are you okay? That sounds very traumatic. And I was just like, yeah, no, he's fine. Like, we're fine. Like, we're good. And I just would kind of like brush it off at first. If you're having a C-section, whether it be planned or emergent, I would have a conversation with your partner that they really need, do need to take a pretty active role in recovery. And that's true with any birth. I mean, I'm sure it's the same with a vaginal birth, but I had a really hard time changing diapers and like bending over. So it's kind of our running joke that Eric's on diaper duty for the first two weeks because such a small task is actually pretty hard when you're, when you have a, you know, a wound in your abdomen. I was formally diagnosed with post, postpartum PTSD around six months postpartum. Um, I had a history of depression. I had a pretty big depressive episode when I was in college. So I was very in tune with depression and it never really came. Uh, I was really aware of postpartum depression and those symptoms never really showed up. But I started having symptoms of postpartum PTSD, which is something that wasn't even on my radar, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
I would have like flashbacks to his birth. I would, if I was driving past the hospital, my heart was racing, my palms were sweaty, um, just being near my hospital or like the OB office that I went to, like very specific things. And then I had one, I had to get a cavity filled and like being under lights and like knowing that something was supposed to be numb was just very triggering. Mm -hmm. And so that to me was like, okay, that's not normal, but it was also not postpartum depression. So I had a hard time knowing like what exactly to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And a big sign of postpartum PTSD is that you can't really get past something like you're stuck. And so I I just kept thinking like, you know, what could I have done differently? Or what if I had done this? Or what if I, you know, what if I had gotten induced early? Like all these questions were happening in my mind. And um, around like four months postpartum, I love my husband and I probably talked to him about the birth every night. And he's finally like, I think this is beyond us. Like, I think we need to be looking for some help. So what a good guy. I know he's the best. (laughs) Um, And it was really hard on him too. I mean, I think sometimes when you go through these experiences, the birth partner isn't necessarily paid as much attention to, but he went through a lot with it. Listening to Eric talk about the birth story versus listening to my mom, like I woke up from surgery and I like, I was so out of it. I texted her. I was like, well, that was crazy. I had a C-section and they put me under. Like that was the first text my mom got, like, you know, letting her know that her grandson had been born. So there's all sorts of, yeah, different angles to the same story. So, Um, and I guess this is advice I'd give anybody who knows someone who's had a traumatic birth is really let them have the agency to tell the story if or when they ever want to tell it to you. Um, I think it's a curiosity factor if you hear something like kind of out there happened, Um, but letting me be the person to tell the story because there had been situations right then and where someone would be like, oh my gosh, I heard what happened with Jackson. Like, that's so crazy. And that was so hard on me because it was like, oh, well, I mean, you know, it's already something I'm already dealing with. And to know that, you know, maybe people heard about it in the context I wasn't aware of or that kind of thing. And then as I healed more, especially with my second pregnancy, just understanding like if there's new boundaries and that took a while too, especially in therapy for me to realize like it was a traumatic, crazy experience, but it was one of the biggest first decisions I ever made for my child. It was the first time I really felt like, I mean, I felt like a mom being pregnant, but I was listening to my baby who needed help and I never second guessed that. Yeah. I heard that you decided to choose a gentle C-section for your daughters first. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Cause I've never heard of that before ever. So a gentle C-section is a very family centered experience. It's doesn't happen under any sort of emergency situation. Um, the baby's usually completely healthy and happy and you're going in for a planned C-section. And because it isn't emergent, there's a lot of things that they can do. Like when Tatum was born, um, I had a clear drape so I could watch her be born, which was really special to me because especially for Jackson, the first time I saw my baby, he was swaddled and in a cap. And it was very disorienting to me that I didn't see this fresh baby, right? Um, You can have a support person in there, obviously. Um, They said you can play music if you want, but I was very focused with Tatum and I just didn't really want added stuff to it. 
and uh, it's immediate skin to skin too, as long as the baby's doing okay. So <laughs> yeah, so she hung out on my chest like right after she was born until I was taken to the recovery room. Really? Um, really? I think people heard what happened the first time they assumed I wanted the complete opposite, which would be, um, you know, like a vaginal unmedicated birth again. The V back. Yeah. And I did for a long time. I think my biggest fear was having another C-section. Yeah. And then as I got closer and closer to my due date, I just, I couldn't get over some of the statistics of what ifs, like what could happen. Yeah. And they're not even that high. I think like the risk of a uterine rupture is like one in 200, but in my head, I was like, well, what was the risk of being put under? Like if I had these two options and like, right. even if you are trying, you know, for a VBAC, it's not guaranteed that that's how it's going to end. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, can I handle another like long labor and an emergency C-section again, or like, would that be more traumatic to me than yeah. having a C-section? So yeah, I had some people just being like, oh, so is natural birth just off the table? It's like, well, and I don't want to go, I don't want to explain to every single person I meet and be like, oh, you know what I went through? Like, the other thing is like, I, I think, okay, so VBACs are definitely more, more people are having them now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but I still feel like, I mean, I had a C-section, a plan, I had a plan C-section. Um, she was breached and I was not about to birth a breech baby, nor was my mm -hmm. doctor wanting to do that either. Um, and so, you know, when the time comes, like I'm going to choose to have another planned C-section again, because like, you're so right, like weighing in the options of like, it allows you to be more in control of the situation. Yeah. Um, because now you also know like how recovery is and like what to expect slightly. Um, and there's just more like, it's taking back the power in your court, yeah. you know? So. Exactly. And when I, when we went on a hospital tour, ironically, I think most of my trauma is connected to laboring and like how quickly things changed. Yeah. Um, because we went on a hospital tour just like fun date night. Like, let's go to the new hospital and go to the hospital door. Yeah. Uh, just talking around and like passing by the OR was no big deal, but being in a labor room to me, I, I hadn't felt that in a long time. And so it kind of solidified that I was making the right decision for us. Yeah. So definitely create like a birth plan with your OB. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've had one before, what are things that you really liked? What are things that you didn't like? Um, what are things that you wish you would have had? I, a big thing for me was seeing my baby like not swaddled and being able to hold my baby like fresh from the womb. <laughs> and um, obviously it depends on how baby's doing. I mean, that's the same in a vaginal birth too, unless baby needs immediate care. Mm -hmm. But that was honored for me. I mean, they cut the umbilical cord and immediately she was on my chest, which was just so healing for me. I would also definitely ask what the hospital policies are. Um, we really wanted a birth photographer in the OR, but that wasn't, that was against hospital policy, but she was allowed to be in pre-op and post-op. So just knowing that we could do that was really, yeah. like, it was nice. So, and then plan a fun postpartum meal because you can't, yes. regardless of what happens in birth, like if you know that you're getting like, I don't know. My, I think mine was some burrows. I love it. <laughs> just like knowing that I'm getting that or like a drumstick because I couldn't have this ice cream for months and months with, with her. I was just, it was bliss.
Unless you've been in that situation, you won't really understand it. And I think that's something I had to come to terms with myself when people were asking about his birth or even kind of questioning decisions I had made, like, why were, why were you induced? Like, why didn't you just let your body go naturally? And looking back on it, um, they think I should have been induced earlier, but they think my placenta was wearing away. And that's why he couldn't handle the final stage of labor. So uh, it's like you really yeah. don't understand what somebody is going through, um, hey. especially with C-sections to have grace with yourself. And, you know, if you know another mom who's had C-sections just to be there for them and not necessarily ask specifics, but just be like, hey, I've also had one. If you ever need advice, um, I'm here for you. So yeah. And then I've noticed a lot too. Unfortunately, I feel like in the social media world, like birth is such a big thing, but if there's such a vast difference, there's this like really strong natural home birth kind of thing. And then the complete opposite. And I feel like there's no good representations of like positive C-section stories. They're often depicted as the last resort. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was last resort for me. It was life-saving for me. Yeah. But in another sense, the second one was life-saving for me because it helped heal of course. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Uh, that is so, that's awesome. so true though. Yeah. That is really true. Yeah. Megan, thank you so, so much for just chatting with us. You, yeah. I went into this, not knowing a damn thing about C-sections and <laughs> it's really awesome to hear your experience and, um, and also talking about, um, postpartum PTSD, because this is something that we also, or I know at least I didn't know about, um, until like a few months ago. So I really, really commend you for, you know, sharing that. Cause I'm sure it's not the easiest to do, but I know it it's healing for you. So I really appreciate that you, you know, just took the time to talk, to chat with us and, and our listeners and, you know, just giving them more information and, and, you know, just opening yourself up. Yes. And it's so much fun. Thank you for thinking of me on this C-section awareness. It's me again, just Whitney. (laughs) I miss Kelsey. Can't you tell? Anyway, I have listened to this episode over and over and over again. Well, I'm listening to it while editing it right now, but I just love this story. I love Megan's story. I love how just positive and upbeat she is about this and about her entire experience and, you know, advocating for C-section awareness in general. Um, I think she has so much knowledge to share and just so much, I keep saying this word positivity, but I mean, I mean, you can just hear it in her voice that she's taken such, you know, a terrible thing that's happened to her or just an unfortunate thing that's happened to her and made the absolute best out of it and is helping others, you know, with their experiences as well. I truly commend her and I love what she said about, you know, on social media, it's either hot or cold. You know, there's home births, there's uh, medicated births, there's natural births, there, you know, vaginal births and it's all celebrated. And I feel like I agree with her when she says, you know, a lot of the time C-section births are kind of looked at as this sad last resort moment. Like thank, I I don't know. I, I, I totally agree with her on that. I did not 
look at it that way before speaking with her. So I truly hope that you found value in this episode or you at least learned something. Um, and like Megan said, if you're chatting with someone that has had a C-section or just had a difficult slash, you know, odd or traumatic or whatever the case may be, if you're talking to someone that has had that sort of birthing experience, just listen and yeah, I I think that's the best thing that you can do, right? Just listen and let them tell their story um, and advocate for them. Ask them how you can advocate for them. But I, again, truly hope that you enjoyed this episode. I want to say again, happy C-section awareness month to any and all badass C-section mamas out there. We are truly celebrating you this month. Before I let you go, make sure you subscribe to us, follow us, whatever you got to do on any and all podcast platforms that you listen to us on, leave us a five-star review and write us a sweet note while you're there. Follow us on Instagram, slide into our DMs. We are at moms.and.margs and I think that's it. I, I'm feeling so lonely without Kelsey. <laughs> Okay, well, next week you will tune back in, hopefully, and Kelsey and I will both be on here and we can all celebrate and cheer the fact that she is back because we just miss her so much. So send her all of your love, let her know you miss her, and I know she'll truly appreciate that. We'll see you next Tuesday.